Cold Weather Bats, what's up? This is Brandon Justice coming to you to talk about Great Lakes Bat Company. As you guys know, the show is sponsored by Great Lakes Bat Company, and you can buy a hat on their website at greatlakesbatco.com. Upon that, you can do tons of other things too. You got a team, organization, whatever it is, they got you covered. Whether it's uniforms, custom bats, custom fitting for bats, custom fungos, custom wood bats, trainers, you name it, they got it. GreatLakesBatCo.com. Welcome in to episode 16, another brand new episode of Cold Weather Bats. Uh, I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is Brian Tukowski. I'm joined, as always, by Brandon Justice. Brandon, say hi to the folks. Hey, hello. How are you doing? And we are in the post-Easter kind of what exists as like a 36-hour lull, I would say. Um, you know, we're recording this on Monday, the day after Easter. Everybody's going to practice today. Uh, I'm sure, you know teams have games this week i know like we at st mary's do we're excited we're gonna play a ton this week but in general you know leagues are more or less suspended for another week right you know like we're not gonna do a catholic league game for another week etc etc it's just we're kind of in a little bit of a lull that spring break lull some teams go to florida some teams take it off so that their kids can go to florida etc etc it kind of differs throughout the state but either way the one constant in your life It's cold weather bats out every Tuesday morning. And that's what Brandon and I are here to do. A little bit of housekeeping to start off the show. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at cold weather bats, hashtag cross platform. Um, Buy a hat, as we've talked about. Uh, You can find the link to buy the original cold weather bats, um, Great Lakes Bat Company cross branded hat. At uh, you can find that in our pinned tweet. You can look on our Instagram, like it's the link is in the bio, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And if you're a fan of the show, please subscribe on your preferred listening platform. Please rate and review if you listen on Apple. Um, very simple to just you know click the five stars if that's what you think we are, five stars, uh, and write a review. That that helps us insofar as getting the uh, getting the podcast out to more listeners. Um, and in, as far as the Super 25, we will be bringing that back next week once we uh, once we get some more games under our belts as, as far as like data points so we can have a better understanding. Um, that'll be next week. Please uh, feel free to tag us in, in highlights, in, in game scores, in game changer releases, all the above. If you tag us in that stuff on Twitter, then we have a better understanding uh, of what's going on throughout the state. Um, coaches, we task you with doing that when you announce, you know, like so-and-so beat so-and-so on Twitter. Just tag us. That's helpful. Um, but anyways, today is kind of a, it's kind of just a chill show. It's, it's Brandon and I talking. We're not, we don't have any guests. We don't have any big themes. Um, we're going to talk about sort of what should be going into making a decision on a college for, for a high school athlete. Um, we have several things to talk about in that sense, and that's not all inclusive of the things that one should consider, but it's a pretty good list. Um, we are going to recap as much as we can as far as games that have happened in the last week, really. Not a ton of action. 
and I'm going to take us through college baseball in the state, at least at the D1 level, and talk about how those teams are doing since this podcast is dedicated to Michigan amateur baseball, not specifically Michigan high school baseball. So we need to touch on the college too. And uh, Brandon, how is the uh, the breaks going, man? How are the cards going? We talked about that last week. Oh, I'm so happy you asked. Uh, so if you if you tuned in last week, which given our uh, cult following, I'm sure you did. Uh, I have dipped into the card game. Now that was last week. Fast forward one week, I have headfirst dived into the card game, and uh, it's starting to it's starting to go beyond just baseball. I've been having some fun with it. Uh, seems like the basketball side of things is, is the most lucrative. Um, there's a wide range of, of profits there in basketball, whereas in baseball, it's not slim pickings, but um, you know, you got to get new boxes and new boxes sell so quick and there's not as many breaks and yada, yada, yada. And uh, to those out there who don't understand the terminology, uh, a break, which is something I learned about probably eight days ago, a break is very interesting. So for example, the the 2020 Panini Prism, so 2020, 2021, so this year, Panini Prism box for the NBA, uh, you could have bought the 2019 one a year ago for about 400, which seems crazy, right? Well, they resell now for up to like five grand and somewhere in between four and five grand. And then the one this year uh, for the 2020, 2021, and the, the big card last year was Zion. That's why they're selling for so much. The big card this year is LaMelo Ball. Uh, and the, these are selling for about two to three grand. Well, a break is where somebody on eBay has the box or has multiple boxes. Uh, I am more so one who looks for the ones with multiple boxes. Um, And what they'll do is they will sell the rights to either a team or a player. Uh, In baseball, typically the theme is team. In basketball, typically the theme is player. Um, But it's so, so, you know, you kind of get both. And what I've been doing lately is buying uh, player names or buying um, team names and kind of watching. What they'll do is they'll go on YouTube and open these live, YouTube live, and they'll open these boxes and you get to sit there and kind of watch like, oh, let's go. You know, you can turn 10 bucks into a hundred bucks. You can turn 10 bucks into thousands. That's a little bit lofty. Or, you know, if you're buying teams or players, you can turn a couple hundred into whatever. Um, so it's really interesting because it's kind of like a budgeted way of still getting a piece of what's inside of those boxes. And for those who are kind of ignorant to what's going on in, in the sports card game right now, like I was a few weeks ago, it's, it's pretty nuts. And if you get lucky, it's pretty lucrative. Uh, if you are smart about it and you buy and hold, it's a long-term play. Uh, I'm kind of more so on the flip side of things right now where uh, I'm trying to um, attain cards with high value now and flip them uh, and then hold on to the rookies. Um, but it's very interesting and it's super fun. Uh, I, I'm having a blast with it. You know, uh, deep into the investment, sure, uh, like anything else though, I think that there is an end game here that's going to be equally fun and profitable. And it's just been, it's exciting. You know, it's kind of like stocks for jocks. I don't know if that's like a good way to say it, but that's kind of how it is. It's just kind of like if you're into sports and, and making some more money in your pocket on the side while also having fun and not having to be like a Chad. And I, I, that's a Cunha meowing for everyone at home, by the way. Um, but I don't know. It's just a lot of fun, man. I've been having a blast with it. Uh, today I have a Kevin Durant break, uh, out of 12 prison boxes. So you might be hearing a, uh, you might be hearing from me next week with a Tesla in the driveway. If I, uh, happen to draw 101 Kevin Durant, we'll see. We'll see. We got our, we got our fingers crossed. I hope everyone else does at home. 
Um, but yeah, man, just having fun. I know that you, you, um, you had your roommate get involved in the breaks and you know, what was your experience with the breaks? Cause I'll tell you what, man, like, um, uh, my, my roommate and I, it's very similar. It's kind of funny. Cause it was you and your roommate had a little, it was more so your roommate. You said, but either way, like the dynamic of the really, the roommates doing the cards is funny. Uh, my roommates not really into the breaks as much as I am just because, you know, you could pay, like I paid a good amount for this Kevin Durant break and I, um, I could walk out with nothing. I could walk out with a bunch of base Kevin Durant's cards worth about 20 bucks each or total. Um, or I could make an insane amount of money. Um, it really is all dependent. If you buy a box, you have a wide open array. Like you, I mean, you literally own all of the cards, so it's a little bit different, but, um, obviously the, the, the cost is more expensive. So what is your, what was your experience like with the breaks? Cause I know you said your roommate got involved with them. Yeah. Um, I mean, I kind of was involved like tangentially. I was mostly an investor. Um, like I gave him X dollar lump sum and then like every two weeks or, you know, he'd use my money to buy boxes or whatever, boxes of gear. And it was mostly like football helmets for him. It wasn't cards, um, like mini helmets, autographed helmets and such. And then, you know, at the end of two weeks or 10 days or whatever, it ended up being dependent on how many breaks he would do a night. Like I would then like get the profit, my share of the profit, and then he'd reinvest the original money. Like, you know, so it was a good, it was a pretty good way for me to make some extra cash during quarantine is what I ended up doing. Um, but I was involved a little bit like, you know, he'd like, he'd text me and be like, Hey man, can you jump into this break? Because we need someone to fill another spot. And I'd be like, sure. Venmo him 20 bucks to get into the break. And then we put in like, I want a couple things. Like I said, I want like a Marshawn Lynch to autograph mini helmet and then um the one the coolest thing he got was like an alan trammell autographed jersey which was cool but um yeah i mean just mostly investment (laughs) and i guess i I would help with shipping because it's hard to carry 37 boxes to the to the post office by yourself um but other than that man like it was just a like i don't know I, i had fun watching but i wasn't all that uh participating i guess yeah, I mean, whether you're an investor or a day-to-day or whatever it may be, there is um, there's some fun in it, you know, because there's uh, these NFTs have been interesting where they're like the NBA Top Shots where you, you literally own a file and these files of our videos or highlights and they're going for like hundreds of thousands of dollars if you own like a LeBron or a Giannis or a Curry or a I don't know if there's Jordans out there. I'm sure there is, but then there's like lower end ones where either a few bucks, right? But uh, that's kind of the thing taking off right now is these NFTs. I, I like the physical stuff more. I know that the it's kind of like similar to everything going on in the world where the physical copies of things are always going to be the dying part of the, not dying, but it's always been the lesser part of the industry because digital has become so far more valued. Um, but I don't know, there's just something cool about ripping packs yourself. You're just, you got a pack of cards in your hand and just the, the feeling of opening them and seeing what's inside. I don't know. It just kind of makes you feel like a kid, but at the same time, um, there is plenty of profit to be made. So it's just, it's fun. It's, it's fun. And there's some upside and yeah, I don't know. I might be talking to you in three weeks from now saying like, yep, I stopped doing cards because I got so far into it with nothing there that I just kind of stopped doing it, cut my losses and called it a day. I don't know. At this point in time, I'm extremely uh, optimistic about the 6 PM Kevin Durant break though. So by next week, you could be hearing from me um, on a remote island. So we'll see. Uh, all that being said, the king of memorabilia himself, uh, Joe Mooney, 
I mean, that guy's mm. got that guy's got some memorabilia up the wazoo. Um, mm-hmm. My favorite being the Jim Harbaugh signed khaki pants. Uh, right, you have to respect that. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. some next level. Like, who owns it? Not many, but Joe does, <laughs> and it is and extremely cool. And then he did uh, something really cool. And I know that um, Joe gets brought up every so often on this show, as he should, um, but. The Rona games, where he gave away all the memorabilia and all of that, that was super cool, right? Um, so it's, it's 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 good. It keeps everything going. It keeps everything alive in the memorabilia game and collector's game. And um, you know, I just I just have a lot of fun with it. I have a lot of fun with it, and uh, it, it it's cool. I think the baseball side is more fun for us, uh, for me specifically, just because you, you, like I feel like I have a more general idea of who's going to be good or who I think is going to be good. Uh, you know, as opposed to the next guy. Now there's some psychos out there. I'm sure just some absolute psychos who like, and I mean, psycho in a good way. Like that's not a bad thing. Like if you're, if you're psycho about work, that's typically a good thing. That means you're just locked in. And there's, there's some psycho collectors out there who like do this for a living and make enough money to, um, do whatever they want doing this. And those guys probably know way more than I do. Right. And they probably have some contacts in the organizations and all of that. So, um, but I feel like from a general standpoint, I, I, I have a little bit of a, of an edge there and it just makes it more fun man it's like all the kids play ultimate team now and i don't know if you've ever gotten into it in your in your elderly age brian but thanks yeah (laughs) ultimate team is pretty fun uh but i don't know i like this more so um but moving on from cards oh before we do though i want to i really 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 want to put it out there that i would be extremely interested in anybody who wants to talk about cards if they do if they do it if they don't do it if they're just looking to get into it i don't know i'm a big like if i'm going to start doing something new uh as like a venture or a side hustle whatever you want to call it i'm really into getting educated about it um because i'm kind of like 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 we talked about last week i was kind of like dipping into it now i'm like nose diving in and that's because i've just kind of like engaged myself in so much youtube and like discord message boards and just kind of like learning and figuring out how these things work. So I'd be really interested in anybody else out there who may, who may do this or who may want to do this that has any questions or wants to just converse about it. I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. So if anybody listening uh, gets to the point where they want to have some dialogue about cards, let me know. But until then, we've got some things to talk about. Uh, baseball in Michigan, which is what this show is about. Uh, but, you know, OT is always good. Brian, uh, Talk about your guy. I mean, Orchard Lake was off this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. But did you guys play after our Tuesday show? Was it you? I know you played U of D, but was that before our recording? Uh, no, we we that show was released the day we played U of D. Right. Okay. So we have not talked about the U of D games, if that's what you're asking. Right. And uh, you know, I'd much rather we start off with those games before we get to ours. <laughs> So, uh, I know you guys had a pretty, uh, pretty smooth walk, but that was your first game that you got to be there, right? Yeah. I, obviously I, I was not at the CC doubleheader. I was at uh, MSU doing my other job. Um, but yeah, I was able to be at the, uh, the U of D doubleheader, our opening day. We'd started the season at CC, but then hosted U of D. So it was opening day at Dan Petrie field. Um, and like we, we had a good time more or less. Um, I don't know how else to phrase it. Uh, we won both games 16 to nothing. Um, Jake Dresselhouse hit two walk-off grand slams to trigger the mercy rule. 
Like that happened twice, which was pretty unbelievable. Yeah, really. No, that's that's ridiculous. Like, we didn't even. We, we it was like the next day where I put in the group chat with the the other coaches. Like, hey man, we didn't even talk about this. You know, you know how weird that is. You know how unbelievable that is that that happened. Yeah, um, that's like some next level uh, butterfly effect type stuff right there. Yeah. So like, I don't know. Like, I'm not gonna harp too much. Like we we played well. We hit. We swung the bats really, really well. We. Uh, the the first game went like we started Tommy Allman, who's a Jacksonville commit. He pitched really well, uh, but in his first inning, he let up a couple base runners. They didn't score, but it was kind of the the you know there's some base runners like rah rah et cetera et cetera. And then the bottom of the first went like walk bomb walk single bomb, <laughs> and it was like okay well, so that's cool. <laughs> um. <laughs> I mean, hey, man, like, I, I know exactly, like, I don't know exactly what you mean from that specific uh, happening, but I, I've, you know, we've been there where it's just like, I think we all kind of agree, like, you don't want to co- coach your team and then let the players play the game, you know, coach the practices, right. let the players play the game. And it's always cool when they're playing the game and there's not much you have to say about it besides like, all right, nice. No. I mean, the only thing, and, and our guys will tell you, like, I thought that we got too big in our approach at CC. And so I was uh, consistently reminding them of that against U of D. And, um, you know, we hit five bombs by not trying to hit five bombs. So, Isn't you know, riddle that how one. that works, kids. <laughs> riddle that one. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, man, I mean, it was good. We're, we have a huge week this week. Um, Matt has scheduled us a gauntlet. For spring break, we are going out to Portage Northern on Tuesday, the day that you'll hear this episode for a doubleheader. On Wednesday, we are playing Brother Rice in a non-CHSL league game. We just had some cancellations. Uh, Petrie was kind of struggling to find some teams to play, and and Coach Riker said, hell yeah, let's do it. So we're going to play them in in a game that counts but does not count towards the CHSL. Uh, And then Thursday, we are going down to Woodhaven. And Friday we will play Liggett. So wow, going is, to be a, is the Friday yeah. game at Liggett? I believe so. I, yeah, believe, I believe it is. At I Liggett. believe yeah. you may see me in attendance. Then that would be. <laughs> um, so yeah, man. I, either way, you know, like that's going to be a really big week. However, we do. Um, I'm optimistic that we'll be competitive. I'm optimistic that uh, if we play like we are capable of playing, we should have some success. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sit here and guarantee a. Five and a week, or however many games that is against four really good teams. Um, but you know, like I, I think if we play like we're capable of playing, we should be successful. And I'm looking forward to uh, to this test. It'll be a good test for us. So on the contrary, uh, South South played, and uh, as everyone knows, like coach at South, and uh, thing we things did not go as smoothly as they went for the Eaglets of St. Mary's. Uh, we lost both pretty bad to Detroit Edison. Uh, got mercied. Uh, you know, it's okay. <laughs> you know, things happen. I'm completely fine owning that. Um, Detroit Edison's a very good team, so you got to give a lot of credit to them. I mean, they played fantastic uh, team offense. I mean, just it's almost like you want to – any team should emulate the way they played team offense, uh, where it was really unselfish. Not a lot of guys trying to. Um, there wasn't a lot of pulls. I mean, they put th- they put three, maybe four balls in 
And anybody who's been at South's field, they put three or four balls in the right center dead corner. So that's like 345 right center. It's that deep corner. And if anyone knows the dimensions of South, they're kind of like an octagon in like a weird way where center field is super short. Not an octagon. I don't know how to describe it. It's super weird. Center field, super short, really tall fence. And then it gets deep in right and left center, like really deep, like three, like 350 or 360 in left center maybe a little bit less, give or take. And then right center is like right around the 345 mark. And you got to hit the ball far to, to get there. And the wind was acting up every which way, which has been kind of the theme of spring so far is the wind. Um, but they put a few balls out there to right center and those were right-handers putting the ball out there. Um, so, you know, guys were going the other way. Guys were, I mean, they were just extremely good at using their top hand. I mean, those those guys, short, compact swings, um, they were landing with the shoulder close. I mean, they all like kind of emulated each other's swing uh, with team offense, man. It was just really cool to see um, them succeed so well at the plate from my perspective because I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, you know, like I would love to emulate right. that, right? And uh, not that our guys didn't do a good job of team offense in practice. They, But when you score four runs in two games, you don't do a great job of team offense in the game. So um, I think there's plenty of, Plenty more for us to go. I mean, we had a guy out because of quarantine, and then we had um, some other things going on with our lineup, you know. So um, there's plenty more to be to be had for the Blue Devils, I'm sure, in the future here. But as far as uh, this past Saturday went, Detroit Edison was definitely the better team, uh, a team that we ranked in the Super 25, a team I knew going in they were going to be difficult to beat, um, and we were going to get battle-tested right away. Um, did I expect that? I don't think so, um, but that's that sure is what happened, and uh, they they definitely earned a ton of teams' respect that day. Uh, a lot of people pay attention to the scores uh, around when it's the bigger programs, and I think a lot of people saw that one, and they were kind of like, "All right, this Edison team's going to be good," and um, you know, I can sit here and, and confirm that that team is going to give a lot of teams fits this year, um, and they're in Division Three, so. Liggett, Richmond, uh, teams down in D3, like Edison is for real. Um, now, from an, from an objective analysis standpoint, so let's take a step back here. Um, our pitching did not do great. It was the first game out. Um, neither team really pitched that well. We could not hit. Um, but I will say that uh, Edison's one downfall is they don't have a lot of arms. I mean, they only used two pitchers for two games all day. And that's not a discredit. I mean, both those guys pitched to contact and they played really, really, really good defense behind them. And that's all they needed. You know, when you only play five innings, it's just no problem. Right. So, um, but past that, I mean, there's teams that are going to hit better than South. You know, I'm completely fine admitting that. So I think that that's their one, that's their one flaw is they don't have the depth in arms. And I think that they know that. I don't think anybody's afraid to admit that on their team, but um, offensively and defensively, they can square up with, just about anybody, um, definitely anybody in D3. You know, I, I, I really do do believe they can square up offensively and defensively with Liggett. The arms is where the things kind of started to get complicated. But you're talking about seven innings on one day, um, and it's in the tournament. Anything can happen. Um, so that'll be a re- that's a game I'm just really excited to see. If, if it happens, Edison versus Liggett will be incredible. Yeah. I mean, like the silver lining of that is like, you know, like, man, we got our asses kicked. But Brian and I were right to rank Edison. <laughs> if that's a silver lining, you know. There has to be um, a silver lining somewhere. Just just a couple quick off the top of my head notes. Uh, you know, Rice is 4-0. and 
they looked really strong as we expected. Uh, you know, Buchanan off to a good start in D3. They're kind of on the watch list insofar as the Super 25 goes. Um, you know, not a, not a whole lot has happened yet. You know, like I, I think, and you know, you guys can correct me on Twitter if I'm wrong, but it feels like no one's played more than four games. So we just we just don't know yet. We don't know a whole lot yet to talk about. Um, next week, we're going to update the Super 25. It might not be updated with a ton of new stuff, but it will be updated. We can talk about it. And then I'm hoping from that point forward, like every week, we'll have a lot to talk about as far as Michigan high school baseball goes. Um, speaking of high school baseball and its players... And speaking of Joe Mooney, since we already talked about him on the show a little bit, we're going to use one of Joe's ideas and have a little segment where Brandon and I uh, talk about choosing the right college as far as uh, student athlete and, and recruiting goes and, and choosing a school. Uh, Joe brought it up to me a, a few days ago as far as like this could be a good show topic. He shared some notes uh, that he'd taken and, and Alex and Ryan had taken when they were choosing their schools. Um, obviously, Alex with Duke and, and Ryan with Notre Dame. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that that would be a, a pretty cool jumping off point for us to riff on for 10 or 15 minutes or so. Um, and the, the first thing that jumps to mind, Brandon, and, and I'll kick this to you right after I say it, but uh, Joe's big thing, and it's something I've heard from him for many years now, is that choosing a college is not a four-year decision. It is a 40-year decision. And I think that everybody is kind of, you know, like, like well, no shit, but people don't, like, a lot of people don't really use like apply that thought process to their decision they're like well yes college sets you up for life but let me make quick short-sighted decisions on where i'm going to go to school you know so i i just think it's very important to remember that you are like joe says you're making a 40-year decision not a four-year decision and, and all the things that go with that yeah and the thing is everything this is i am i'm very happy you started with that because um for everyone at home who doesn't know, you should by now, I am, quote unquote, as they say, young, still kind of figuring this whole thing out. So I'm 24 going on 25. And something that I've learned, especially in the last year, and if there's a kid listening and you're 16, 17, 18, whatever it is, pay attention to this part because I wish I knew this, honestly. The importance of long-term thinking. Uh, and mm -hmm. and factoring that into each decision that you need to make, uh, no matter how small or big, always asking yourself first and foremost, how will this affect me long term? Like, where will this decision take me six months from now? Um, yep. Is that something that you ask before you have a cheat day and go to Dairy Queen? No, that's no, that's not something you ask before you go get some ice cream like a kid. All right. That's not a problem. But it is a question that you ask before you obviously commit to a college or decide which college you want to go to. Um, it is a decision before you decide which summer baseball team you're going to play for. Um, I, I don't uh, for better or for worse, when you're in eighth grade, like a lot of kids are starting to have to make a decision whether they're going, they're going to go private or public. And uh, there's a little bit of a rivalry on that here in this podcast duo. Um, but, <laughs> you know, there are those decisions that need to be made. But long term thinking, man, if you can apply and prioritize the importance of long term thinking into each big, bigger decision at a young age and instill that into you long-term, that's just, that's huge because that's something that I can tell you first, firsthand. Like I did not know how, I mean, maybe I knew, but I did not use 
you know, long-term thinking as a huge priority mm-hmm. um, until I was like 23, 22, not even, probably even 24. Like I, now I believe I, I do it as, as much as I need to, like I do it in everything now. Um, but I used to just do it every so often. So, um, just that's so important. And that factors right into that talk about 40 year decision, you know, how, mm-hmm. when, when I'm deciding which college I'm going to go to, okay, I really like the brand of the school. Let's just, I'm going to put two examples out there. They don't matter. They're just two examples to make this less confusing. Let's say a player has to decide between Vanderbilt and Michigan state. Okay. Um, Vanderbilt has, and this isn't, this isn't specific. Okay. But Vanderbilt has X program that I want to go that or Vanderbilt is the better program overall from a historical standpoint and a current standpoint. And they're going to have a more national, um, impact, right? Like I might win mm-hmm. a college world series with Vanderbilt, not saying Michigan state never will just saying you're, you're obviously going to have a better chance of that at Vanderbilt. Um, and we're not even factoring in playing time or anything right now. We're going to think about specifically the education side of things. Okay. But I really want to go into agriculture. Like I am super passionate about agriculture, right? Agriculture. Okay. And everyone knows Michigan state's agriculture school is phenomenal, right? Um, whereas Vanderbilt's let's, I don't know this for a fact, but let's say Vanderbilt's just isn't, isn't their program. They don't have it. Let's say they don't have agriculture. So I really want to go to Vanderbilt because their baseball program is awesome, but I, I'm super passionate about agriculture. I know that if I ever have to go, uh, into the working world, if I don't make it in baseball long-term professionally, I want to go into agriculture. Um, so I can go to Michigan state, probably play sooner than I'll play at Vanderbilt and they have my program, but man, it's Vanderbilt. So you see that a lot, you know, you see that a lot with kids where they have to, and it's not always just, it's not always an in-state school versus a nationally renowned school. It could be mm-hmm. Albion versus Northwood. It could be Northwood versus SVSU. It could be Michigan versus Indiana. There's so many, you know, ways it could mm-hmm. be. But if you think about it from like, okay, this school has my program. This school has like the, the, the schooling I want to go to, the career I want to get into if I don't make it in baseball. That is so important. That's your 40-year plan right there. Because if you, if you get Tommy John surgery your junior year, and you're, you're never going to throw again, or let's say you don't get to come back from that as strong as you were. What happens when you're, when you're, uh, your, your major isn't going to do a whole lot for you. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And, and when you go to X school and you get that, that big degree you wanted and then that career field, you've always been passionate about, it's going to last you a lot longer, you know? And I think that's just such a huge thing to factor in. So I always tell kids, um, think about it like clothing brands. All right. Like this Supreme hoodie is $400 and it's a little bit tight on you. This Nike hoodie, 60 bucks and it fits you perfect. Which one are you going to wear? And there's, uh, that's not to take away from like the importance of some short-term things, you know, like we're talking strictly in terms of choosing a school for the sake of like playing baseball there, you know? So like, you know, it, it is important that you like the coaches. That's a short-term thing. That's not going to affect your life 40 years from now. But, you know, it is important that you have a good relationship with the coaching staff. So other things, uh, what's the weather like at that? You know, like, do you have the opportunity to go play where you can probably play outside most of the year? Or is it Michigan? Or is it someplace with worse weather than Michigan? You know, Um dorms and and living situations, stuff like that. Like, are they crappy dorms? Are they apartments? Are they, you know, what are you going to have to live in? What is the travel situation like? Are you taking an old school bus every, everywhere? Um, the distance away from home, if that's important to you, or even if you don't care if it's close to home, is it close to a, to an actual city? If you're more of a metropolitan type of person, like I am, Uh, I went to CMU and that ain't close to nothing, man. 
and like <laughs> soaring eagle, baby. You know, yeah, like like oh man, we need to go to a mall. What's close? Oh, Grand Rapids. Um, you know, and no no disrespect to the city of Mount Pleasant. Spent spent several great years there, but so like there are short term things that matter, but. The, the importance here is don't let the short-term things get in the way of the long-term things. Don't fall in love with the campus at the risk of majoring in something you're not passionate about because they don't have your program. Don't like be really in on the idea of playing early, but it's at a historically bad program with coaches you don't vibe with. Or you know what I mean, like stuff like that. It, it, it's important to to maintain that forty year plan while also giving credence to the four year plan uh, and, and kind of keeping both in tandem. But at the end of the day, you know, like realistically, you're not going to play pro ball, and even more realistically than that, you're not going to be a big leaguer. You know, like I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I can comfortably say, like, pick the top ten prospects in Michigan this year in high school. I think probably one and a half, I think, is the numbers would say that they might play in the big leagues. Maybe less than that. It might be less than that. It might be less than 10% uh, have a chance to play in the big leagues. And I'm not talking about specific players. I'm just saying take pick a year and pick the best 10 players. 90% they're not going to be in the show. And th- so those are not, and then you th- those numbers continue, you know, to filter down like of the blank. D1 players in the state of Michigan, how many are going to play? D2, D3, like et cetera, et cetera. So you, the, for everyone, and I'm of, regardless of the caliber of your athletic abilities or gifts or whatever, like unless you're Zion Williamson, you know, or like Bryce Harper or Trevor Lawrence, like probably need to maintain focus on life after your sport whether that comes in four years or six years or eight years or 20 years, that's where that 40-year plan comes into effect. That's where having that degree in something you're passionate about, something you're good at, that's when having those connections that you might make where, where the school's sort of um, you know, prosperity or, or school's reputation can help you. Those things are important to look into much more so than the short-term things. And you kind of, I mean, I don't know if you agree, I'm sure you do, but you kind of have to like, at some, at some point you kind of have to feel for kids. And I know that we're always like, oh, but they're, they're young and there's this and there's that, but there's a lot that comes along with being an athlete who has lofty expectations, not only from those around you, but for themselves, like just for, just for the player, like for the player himself to have lofty expectations for himself, uh, that comes along with these decisions we're talking about. I mean, heck, that's why we're talking about it. If it was an easy breezy, uh, cover girl, simple little decision, we probably wouldn't harp on it for a whole topic on cold weather bats. We would just do something better like a draft, but it's important. (laughs) It's important and it's hard for these kids, you know, because there, there is so much misinformation out there. And there are so many people that are like, no, 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 you need to do this. You need to do that. And it's like, they, they truly don't understand or don't know. And I'm not sitting here saying that I'm, I'm the all seeing guy by any means, but I mean, shoot, there are, uh, there's a lot of pressure on these kids, you know, and, um, it comes along with like a lot of people in your circle, um, should tell you and be honest with you about like, hey, I know that you're really good right now and you might throw 90 plus or you might hit a, you might have an exit velo over 105 or whatever it may be. And you might 
think right now that the only that you're going to work your butt off, your mentality could be, I'm going to work until I'm in the pros. I don't care what happens in between now and then, right? I'm going to work. I'm going to go to the gym every day. And, and that person, that kid, that athlete might be doing everything in their right mind athletically to take care of their dreams athletically, right? And, and you can't fault them for all the things they're doing. But at the same time, there's got to be somebody in your circle that's like, hey, let's be studious. Let's, let's hit the books. Let's make sure we're taking care of, uh, you know, the other side of things. Cause we never know what's going to happen, you know? And, um, I think you make a great point. Like, unless you are one of those guys who are the chosen one, the, the, the Lawrence's, the Harper's, the, uh, you know, whoever it may be, you right. You know, you, you, you gotta have not a plan B, you just gotta take care of your afterlife, you know, because even if, even if you do make it to the pros, even if you do go far, have you seen minor league pay? Yeah. You know, like that's not going to take care of it. You have to, you absolutely have to have something in your back pocket. And if you get drafted out of high school and you decide to go to the league and, you know, and you fizzle out of minor leagues and you got to go back to school and I'm not saying it's not the right thing to do. I'm just saying there's a lot of variables in this game, man. Uh, it's, it is not, it is not the NFL where you are on a pro roster and, that's it. I mean, you you get drafted into the to the MLB. You've got a long road to the show, a long yep. road to the show, and um, that road might not lead to it. And that is really hard. But life is extremely difficult, you know. And life <laughs> and life in the MLB is not much easier. And it's just you know, it's super important to have that forty year plan to to look at everything with a wide lens and to not only ask your questions about colleges and about you know, even if you're a guy who has the decision lucky enough to go pro or to go to college to look at it from every every angle without overthinking just understand each variable understand the perspective on on both sides of things or however many sides there are and you know just being comfortable i guess is the biggest thing is comfortability and understanding you know what could come and what could not come so and uh with that being said and i agree with brandon of course but uh for the sake of moving things along in the show. Um, we're going to jump into the college baseball recap, but we would we would like to keep the, the thoughts on choosing a college and that general recruitment sort of thread open. Uh, we'd like to, to continue to add to that. We can continue to have discussions about that more in depth, if necessary, on future shows. Um, but please join the discussion. Uh, hit us up on Twitter with your thoughts. DM us. Tell us the stories. Like if, you, if you're a parent listening and um, your kid is committed to a school, we'd love to hear that story. If you're a, kid, if you're a player listening, I don't want to call you kids. Your your kids, but I, I will respect you enough to call you players. Um, if you're a player and you've committed somewhere or you're wrestling with that decision, DM us. Let's hear that story. I, I think this can be a, pr- a pretty cool open forum in the, in the sense of recruiting. Um, but moving on, I would like to give us a little quick run through um, of the college teams in the state. And we're going to stick to D1 today. Um, we can do D3 and D2 and NAIA as well as JUCO where uh, guest of the show Jordan Kerr's team is 13 and one at Lansing CC. Uh, we'll get to those on, on different dates of the show. Uh, but for right now, we're going to do D1. And I think we have to start at U of M. Uh, they look to be the best team in the state this year. I don't necessarily think it's close. Um, I will see them this weekend when Ohio State comes into town for a huge series. Uh, Michigan is 13 and five. 
The Big Ten this year is doing strictly conference only, so they're also 13-5 and five in the Big Ten, which is good. Uh, I think they're in first place. If not, they're really close. Uh, they're up there with Nebraska, and it was Indiana until they got swept by Ohio State this past weekend in a four-gamer, by the way. Um, but as far as standouts go, at U of M, I, I mean, the pitching has really been good. They have a 3.21 staff ERA. Uh, the starters have been strong. Everybody expected Steve Hajar to be really good, and he has been. You know, 38 strikeouts in 30 innings, a sub one whip. The bullpen's been really good. Um, Joe Pace has been excellent for them out of the bullpen. Willie Weiss, the closer, has been really good. Offensively, it's a little bit, it's been a little bit more of a struggle. Uh, newcomer Christian Molfetta is leading the way with a 338 average, and he's hitting for some power too. Jimmy Obertop has seven home runs, which is amongst the most in college baseball, but is, you know, kind of a power strikeout guy right now. Brother Rice alum Tito Flores leads the team in doubles with six, but has hit a little bit of a dry spell in recent weeks. Either way, the pitching is leading the University of Michigan right now at 13 and five. And uh, they play today, actually. They're they're finishing up their series with Maryland so could be 13 and 6 or 14 and 5 by the time you listen to this um over to a team that I have watched this year already and that's MSU they are 9 and 9 9 and 9 in conference also uh another team who is being led by offense um you know in general they're not hitting the cover off the ball but they are hitting 271 their OPS is over 750 as a team uh, and that's led by Joe Stewart, who's kind of a, a really unique story. This dude's from Portage. He, he went to Portage Central High School. But he graduated in like 2016, you know, like it's been a minute. And this is really the first time he's ever gotten a lot of playing time. Uh, he redshirted in 2017. He pinch ran in two games in 2018. He like had, I don't know, 12 at bats in 2019. Didn't play at all a year ago in the shortened season. And now fast forward to 2021 when he's like a fifth year sophomore or whatever that works out to. And he's leading the team in pretty much every offensive category. Uh, the OPS is almost 1,100 or just over 1,100. He's hitting for some power. Uh, I saw him hit really good pitching against Indiana. Uh, he's stealing some bases, playing a good center field. Uh, just, just an interesting discussion there. Uh, the freshman from uh, Saginaw, from Swan Valley, Mitch Jeb, has been really good, starting at shortstop right away. Unsurprising there. Um, on the pitching side, you have to look at freshmen from Flushing, Michigan, Nick Powers, uh, the lefty who's starting on Sundays for MSU. He's been their best starter. He's been better than the guys who get uh, get the pub in um, Berghorst and Erla and Ben Scoder. He's been the best one. He's got a 3.95 ERA, over 27 in the third innings. Uh, does not walk people. You know, mixes and matches. Just been uh, been really good for for MSU and and obviously plans to be a big piece for them moving forward as a freshman in that rotation. Um, heading up sixty miles north on twenty seven is uh, we're going to go to CMU. We're going to fi- uh, f- go see how the alma mater's doing. They're fourteen and eight. They're six and two in the MAC. They're playing well. I don't think they're the class of the MAC this year, but they are one of the better teams in the MAC and. Let's see, taking a look at their statistics right here in front of us. And they've been doing this without Griffin Lockwood-Powell, by the way, who one of the better offensive threats in the entire Mid-American Conference. I believe he broke his thumb 
Um, if I'm incorrect on that, I do apologize, but I believe he broke his thumb and is therefore out for a little while. But Zach Gillies leading the way, the veteran there, uh, was recruited by the old staff. He's an outfielder. He's hitting 411. Um, the dude just gets on base a ton. He runs. He's, he's kind of a small, uh, but twitchy athlete who, who really hits, who really runs. And on the pitching side, we have to talk about Andrew Taylor. He is a redshirt freshman. 2020 was his first year. He went to Caledonia High School. He's from Alto, Michigan, out there on the west side. And as a second-year guy, he's just dominating in six starts across 36 and a third innings. He's got 55 strikeouts and nine walks. Um, I took a look at him on Synergy recently, and it's more or less just big 6'5 righty who's 88-92 and absolutely hammers the edges uh, and, and does so with great effect, and he's been dominant, and, and that's obviously CMU's ace and will be their ace next year as well. Heading out to Kalamazoo for the Western Michigan Broncos. Boo. <laughs> Ooh. No, sorry, sorry. No offense to Western, but the, the CMU blood. Um, you, you know, you can't really keep me down. They are playing okay. They're seven, 7 and 11. They're hitting 277 as a team. They seem to be hitting it okay, but the near 5 ERA as a club is, is obviously a problem. Um, their best arm, they, you know, they have some, some good looking arms in terms of statistics. Uh, you like a guy like Jack Huisman? Huisman? I apologize to Jack if I'm pronouncing that wrong, but again, we're doing this in one take. Uh, he's a Holland native, got a 2.67 ERA over 27 innings. He started five games for them. He's their best starter by stats right now. Um, Easton Sikorsky, who went to De La Salle, uh, who I coached against not too long ago, uh, 3.54 behind him with more than a strikeout per inning. Um, the pitching's been fine. It seems like just uh, the the first couple guys in the rotation been good. Need some some guys to step up behind them, and then offensively, another Mac injury. Blake Dunn, Western Michigan's all everything outfielder, who had a chance to go in the in the five round draft last year, would have for sure gone this year. He's been hurt. Um, I don't know exactly what's going on there. I, I think it's something similar to Lockwood Powell, something with the hand, but has not played, you know, has has three at-bats on the season. So tough loss for Western there. Uh, Will Morrison, the redshirt freshman from Liggett, who we already talked about on the show, leading the team and hitting with a 370 average through 15 games. Um, Sean O'Keefe, who is from Celine, hitting right behind him. And Connor Charping from Trenton. Uh, shouts out. Ah, I love that we got shouts to this out, part. Shouts out to Trenton High School alum Connor Charping Gets for a, stud. a 3.13 average through 18 games. He looks to be starting every day for them. Hold on, uh, yeah, hold again, on. While, while we're on that, while we're on that, go ahead. Something for the yes. kids at home, players at home, kids at home, same thing. Connor Charping had the opportunity to be a wrestler at two other Big Ten schools, and he chose to go be, I believe, his first year he was a PWO at Western, and uh, it worked out pretty well. So, Yeah, no kidding. Um, so anyways, yes, Western playing solidly, not playing super well as we get more into the Mac, uh, expecting them to be pretty solid. Um, just saw Eastern play this weekend, went and saw their doubleheader on Saturday when they hosted Miami of Ohio because Miami of Ohio has arms and arms and arms and arms and arms. But anyway, Eastern, they are eight and 13 and like, they, they're not bad, man. You know, like it's, they lost some close games. It was like six to three and four to one or something like that. Just a just a really light offense right now. 
Um, Nick Jones, who kind of has been their best player, uh, he's from Battle Creek, Lakeview High School. He's He's been their best hitter so far in terms of batting average. Um, Taylor Hopkins, Mark Catula, and Jeff Timko tied for the lead in home runs. Uh, Timko, the, the veteran from Brother Rice, obviously. Catula, the freshman from Sterling Heights Stevenson, who had a good bit of, of hype coming into the season. And Hopkins, the junior from Archbishop Moeller in Ohio. We can shout out to Ohio. They're cold weather bats, too. Um, and on the pitching side, you know, I liked what I saw. They they showed. Uh, I saw Justin Mize start for them. A really really tough look, uh, just in terms of what EMU did behind him. I thought Mize threw fine. Um, pretty good stuff, like 90-94 with a decent slider. But other than that, and we talked about Lansing CC. Lansing CC zone Zach Fruit has been pitching well for EMU. Um, got a three ERA pitching out of the bullpen. Davis Feldman has been their best arm. And this is Davis Feldman's sixth year at EMU, I believe. I'm pretty sure his first year was 2015. He's been there for quite a while. Uh, played at Brother Rice with guys like Nick Plummer. Uh, 2-6 ERA and 34 and two-thirds innings, leading the way on Friday nights for them. He's been pitching well, and that's a great way to close out a good college career. Um, and over to friend of the show, Jordan Banfield's first season at the helm at Oakland University. They're 9 and 18. They're 3 and 13 in conference. It was never going to be easy in this first year at OU. I think everybody knew that. Um, they've been okay offensively. They're hitting 260 as a team, uh, they're not striking out a ton. Um, you, you know, th- there's a lot of JUCO transfers. There are a lot of transfers in general in there. Uh, Cam Post kind of leading the way for them offensively. Tyler Trovinger leads, leads the team in, in uh, home runs, pardon me. He is from Norton Shores, Michigan. Went to Mona Shores High School. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that's roughly Muskegon area. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Um, but the pitching side's been been more of a more of an adventure. Hayden Nearman leads the team with a three one six ERA, uh, and they're getting Jacob Wazinski back. Wazinski is their best prospect. He's a senior from Ada, went to Lowell High School, and then Grand Rapids Catholic Central, or pardon me, Grand Rapids Community College. There's two different GRCCs, and he's a guy that you need to watch. He's a guy you need to keep an eye on towards the, as the weather warms up. Just coming off of Tommy John, he's thrown like three innings so far. They're they're working him back. But once he's full go, a guy that I think has a chance to get drafted uh, this year, it's pretty it's pretty loud stuff when he's going. Um, but for the sake of taking a breath and passing it over to you, I'm done talking about college baseball for right now. Yeah, college baseball is fun. Uh, you have way more uh, knowledge about it, and you can talk about the the guys going and all that. I don't know the the dynamics and the day to day of it. Um, because it's not my job to know that, and it is yours. Uh, now, that being said, college baseball is fun, man. I think it's those games are more fun to watch than uh, – a lot of people say this about like college basketball and the NBA, um, but I think college baseball and the MLB are both equally fun, but college baseball gets a little bit more interesting just because, you know, it's the same thing. You know, there's there, these are 18 to 24, 25 with the COVID rules. So you don't know how high it's going to get, so I'm trying to make some room there. So it's 18 to 24, 25-year-olds uh, going at it, a lot of passion, um, team offense, team baseball, and the pros, I mean, those guys are – those guys are hacking, right? Like, you know, and they have every right to. Um, but college baseball, you see a lot more team offense, a lot more team base running. Um, 
team oriented things just in general. And then once you get to Omaha and even leading up to Omaha and the regionals, it just gets so much fun, man. And, uh, in Michigan, it's getting obviously the big run for the Wolverines a couple of years ago to the World Series kind of amplified that program and what it means. And Coach Backett has done a terrific job in turning turning it around and making it what it is now. Um, so it'll be fun. It'll be good to see what happens here uh, going forward within the state. I do think that we can agree that Michigan is the team that's going to have the most upside to make that run. Um, look out for Ball State. In a, in a, I mean, they're a Midwest mm-hmm. team. They're a Midwest team that's doing pretty well in the action right now. Uh, they might make some. They might make some moves there. But as far as Michigan goes, I think it's probably going to be the Wolverines or bust for a big run here um, from the college side of things. <sighs> and with that being said, you want to want to wrap it up. Want to call it a quick week? Yeah, I mean, shoot, uh, we are. Yeah, I mean, we're we're right at that mark. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Like we said. The Super 25 will be re-released for week two. Well, I mean, technically the first one was preseason. So I suppose this will be the, the, first, today. the yeah. first regular season edition of the Cold Weather Bats. I almost said college baseball because we've been talking about it so much. The Cold Weather Bats Super 25 high school baseball uh, will be coming out next week, next Tuesday. So I believe that is the 12th, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, the 12th of, uh, I'm sorry, 13th, 13th of next week. Um, and there will be some changes, certainly based on these first couple weeks, but who knows what's in store uh, between today and then. Uh, other than that, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram, cross-platform at coldweatherbats, because thankfully nobody had that ad name stole from us when we made it. Um <laughs> Buy a hat, greatlakesbatco.com. You can find us there. You can buy a hat there. I don't know how long those are going to last, but they're still there. So make sure you get one if you can. Uh, and then apart from that, man, is there much else? I mean, shoot, send us emails on uh, your game and your is coaches listening, players listening, parents listening. Tag us. Yeah. Tweet it out and tag us. Tweet it out to score and tag us. I know a lot of you guys think that, uh, you know, your school should have been ranked or, or whatever. And um, some of that might be just a, we disagree or B we don't know enough, but either way, the more you show us the better, you know, opportunity we have to know more about your team and your school. And we want to like, that's the whole goal here is to shine the light on you, on you guys. So um, yeah, we're looking forward to the rest of the year. Another week of baseball is upon us. My cat continues to meow during the show. Uh, you can follow Brian on Twitter at, B underscore Sikowski underscore PG. You can follow me at coach underscore B justice. And again, follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at cold weather bats. We will see you guys next week. Enjoy your week of baseball. Enjoy your uh, post Easter times. Uh, Stay safe and see you next week.